right, let's go. Bad day for me to miss yesterday, but congratulations to my guy, Willie C. Uh, My son has graduated from Booker T. Washington. And now I'll wait for graduation ceremonies. Let's see. We got 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. So in five years, so that's what, 2027 at Washington High School in 2032. Those are my next big marquee dates. And I would assume and hope in there somewhere there's a couple of uh, college or uh, maybe West Point graduations to go to as well. Welcome into the Plank Show on a Friday. We say good morning to the co-host and emotional leader of this here very radio program, Josh Helmer, standing by in the Brown O'Haver studios. What's up, Josh? Happy Friday to you. Are you ready to get this Norman Regional underway? Yes. Very much so. I am. Here's two reasons. Number one, I don't. I don't know what's going on right now, uh, weather-wise or air quality-wise. Have you? And you're not really. You don't suffer too terribly from allergies, right? Not normally. Not normally. Well, I don't know what's happened, but over the last forty-eight hours, like legit. What time did you text me last night? With the Iowa uh, note on the kid that had 10 runs batted in. Like, it was late. It was like 11 o'clock, right? But I'm usually up. That's, I'm usually up. Dude, I'd been out for like two hours. I was just sinus pressure. And, and I'm fine. It's like I'm not sick. But there is something in the air. I need, my, I need my air quality experts to get rolling. And I feel like the vortex effect can, can help out because by that I mean it's a NASCAR there you get things going around a softball field and you get games going, suddenly everything's fine, right? We're going to be okay. And it looks like Mother Nature is going to try to cooperate with us over the next three days where she's not going to light us on fire. And if these pop-up thunderstorms could stay away, we're good. But I, I got to be honest with you, Josh. Yes, I, I'm very excited for the Norman Regional. I'm very pumped for it tonight. Um, I've actually got a plan for the show today. You know, we've kind of used the 10 o'clock hour this week to talk some college softball. And I know that I know that Joey was on yesterday, but we've got we've got tons to get to. So here's here's my point in bringing it up. I'm not just excited for the Norman Regional. I'm excited for all of all of the games to get rolling because I say this. I don't know why I just started to say with peace and love. I say this with the most confidence I've said it with maybe in the history of covering college softball, which is not a a long-tenured stretch for me. But I think this is, hands down, the best set of regionals we've had since I've started doing this. I think every single regional could have a surprise team come out of it. Every one. And honestly, if you you think about what gets going here in an hour from now down in Orlando, you know, even if the one seed makes it out of that, even if UCF makes it out, that's a that's a bit of a surprise, right? Because they are a James Madison type team, like last year. So I, I want to spend. And by the way, 10 a.m. is when the World Series starts. So doesn't it kind of make some sense to to carve out some time there to? To give you a little nugget on each regional. Because, I mean, I'm going to – we've got tons to get to on Oklahoma. I, I'll stand by what I said on Wednesday. Um, I'm more confident than ever 
that we'll see Jordy Ball this postseason. But it also, it is fully, of course, on Oklahoma getting out of its regional. I don't know if we'll see her this weekend. In fact, I would be jaw-dropped floored if we saw her this weekend. But if they advance to the Super Regional, then look out. Look out. So we'll get to all that coming up in just a bit. Are you cool with that, though? Kind of going through it 10 a.m. this morning and and spending a little time on each region. Not the, not the full hour, maybe like the first 30 minutes. I mean, there's, what are there, 16 sites, four teams in each site. Not going to give you something on every single team, but just maybe a player or two to keep an eye on and who could be surprised. You, you down with that? I love it. I think okay. that is a tremendous idea. So we'll do that today coming up at 10 a.m. Ooh. Um, air quality is moderate. No, I'm sorry, Drake. This is not correct. No such thing as moderate air with what's going on right now. Um, but I don't think that as softball crazy as this show is and that I am, I don't think we can start a show today, Josh, without rolling through the craziness that took over our beloved sport of college football over the last, gosh, what would you say now, 36 hours? And so during the show yesterday, you've got to take me through this. You're on the air while Jimbo Fisher is going scorched earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Well, big tip of the cap and thank you to the steel man who was all over it. (laughs) It was, hey, we've got this hot off the presses. Obviously, you know, you see that breaking on social media and that Jimbo Fisher was going to have a press conference and and then just the, the audio itself, what he had to say. You know, so many people have kind of had the reaction that they've never really seen a coach, at least in college football, that they can remember attack another coach the way that Jimbo Fisher did publicly with Nick Saban. It's just you don't see that very often. You also don't see someone apologize without really apologizing either. Because I that's what Nick Saban did yesterday. And we'll get to that coming up here in just a bit. I I think everything that Nick Saban did was strategic, Josh. I think everything that he did was strategic in this. I think that even naming names, I think, was strategic. Where was Nick Saban giving his address on Wednesday night that triggered all of this? Some sort of – I don't know if it was group, a caravan or a booster No, it function. wasn't a caravan. It wasn't a caravan. It was in front of a group of Birmingham business owners. And ev- everything about that, people, was strategic. I'm telling – Nick Saban's no dummy. I mean, you don't – what's he got, six titles? He's no dummy. He knows exactly what he was doing. And – Sure, he apologized for naming Texas A&M and mentioning Dion, but he never walked it back. He never said, yeah, and I should not have said they paid players. What did he say? Nick Saban said, well, they didn't do anything wrong. So in all of this, everyone's getting caught up on 
Jimbo Fisher going, which, which again, I'm not saying that, oh, you guys are missing it. I'm, there's this other level of thought you have to be on. No, no, no. I'm just saying the brilliant part in all of this is that Nick Saban stood behind the idea that it took paying players to basically beat him. And I'm sure there's a part of him that sees what's going on at Georgia right now and realizes that Kirby Smart took the same infrastructure that he had at Alabama, put it in place in Georgia, and just won a national title. Right? I'm sure that I'm sure that's at the very front of a lot of people's minds right now. And did it, by the way, with a walk-on quarterback. But Nick Saban was challenging, I think, his own boosters. That's what I think happened in all of this. And he got a little bit carried away. But he, Josh, in all of this, Nick Saban never backed off and said, yeah, I'm sorry for saying they were paying players. He basically said, I shouldn't have said they named names. Nobody did anything wrong. <laughs> That's just, and he's right. There are no rules in college football right now. That's the reality of it. There's just not. Because no sanction's going to come from this. Greg Zanke's dropping the hammer, and he didn't let Lane Kiffin go on Dan Patrick, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I thought that I went on ESPNU this morning, and my initial thought was that, boy, Greg Sankey's got to love some of this. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not when you see that report about Lane Kiffin. But, Josh, I keep coming back to the fact that Saban says what he says in front of Birmingham business owners. Jimbo Fisher fires back, makes it very personal. Very personal. Nick Saban in his conversation then with uh, Jacob Hester, one of his former players, and Bobby Carpenter on ESPNU Radio yesterday apologizes for naming names, but then continues on his almost crusade against what NIL has become, and not necessarily against NIL, but what it's become. He apologized for naming A&M and essentially Deion Sanders, and Josh, that was it. Everything else was what he's been saying for a long time. And he never, never said, oh, you know, I, I shouldn't have said that they paid players to have the number one recruiting class. Because I don't think he feels that. And I know he doesn't believe that. It's wild. I liked, I liked this, where he said the goal at Alabama is to set up deals for all scholarship players to receive somewhere in the twenty to $25,000 sure. range. Quote, that way nobody feels that one player is getting a bunch of money to come here and another player feels like he's not getting anything. Once they get here and earn it, like a Bryce Young, I'm for them getting everything they can. Then everybody can earn whatever they can earn. I want to create equal opportunity for every player. End quote. That's just not reality anymore, though. It doesn't seem like it. But, that again, that's what he's said all along. That's that's what Nick Saban has said all along. He has um, he has said all along that it's not nil. He's all about it. It's what it's become. I've got all the audio here. We're going to play it coming up in just a bit. But which side do you come out on? Do you come out on Team Jimbo? No. Or do you come out on Team Saban? I thought Jimbo calling an impromptu press conference made him look wildly guilty I thought it made him look incredibly weak and I'm team Saban all the way I've got no problem with anything Nick Saban said I don't think I do either I really don't like what is what are the 
in, in all reality, what can Jim – I know Jim Laranaga fired out. What can you say? You openly had an issue where you had a player that was threatening to enter the portal if his NIL deal wasn't ramped up to what the kid that transferred from Kansas State got. You, you don't have a leg to stand on. And honestly, I know that every, I know everyone wants to try to play the, the car that, oh, well, maybe in all of this, Travis Hunter you know, didn't want to go to a Florida State or anywhere else that wanted him. I mean, that's, that's great. If that's truly he wanted to do something for HBCUs, that's awesome. That's amazing. I just don't think that was the case, guys. I think we got to be honest with each other. And I, I, I don't think that we should be too mad at Nick Saban today. He apologized for bringing up A&M, but never backed off if they didn't buy every player. <laughs> How has that slid through the cracks in all of this, Josh? How is no one bringing up, well, you know, A&M bought every player on the team, made a deal for name, image, likeness. We didn't buy one player. Right? I mean, he never backed off from that. Not a bit. Backed off from name and names, and that was it. Hilarious. I will say, if uh, Alan Cannon is the sports information, the media relations guy at um, – he's the media relations guy at Texas A&M. I honestly think that if I were him, I would have fought with Jimbo to maybe wait until later in the afternoon. Because could you imagine what it was like, Josh, on Wednesday night whenever Jimbo first heard that? And I would be willing to bet that Alan Cannon might lose that fight. I'm Jimbo officially like, Alan, you set up this press conference, I'm going right down the TV station. They'll put me on live, and I'll just do it there. We can do it here, or I can do it there. He was hot. I mean, I don't – you know Josh, a guy is mad whenever you can hear him breathing. And I could hear Jimbo Fisher breathing in between his remarks. He shouldn't have had a press conference. I know. I know. I know. But, again, I mean, there's a part of me that in all of this was really hoping that that Nick Saban would fire back. Really was hoping. But he didn't. He took the high road. And he took the high road in apologizing for naming names. Josh Helmer, he didn't take the high road in saying that they didn't pay for players. And that's, that's the brilliant, brilliant, subtle piece in this that – I because, again, I've got first take on right now, right, which – they're talking college football, so they, like, kick Stephen A. Smith out of the studio. But uh, Jimbo rips Saban. Some people think they're God. Who cares? Do you think, uh, do you think a guy who's deciding between A&M and, and Alabama is suddenly going to say, well, Jimbo did say that Nick Saban has a God complex. I'm sorry, dude. Um, but, you know, I've, I've not had near the success in my life and my career that Nick Saban has had. But I think if I've won seven national titles, ten SEC titles, um, if I've been the coach of the year a couple of times, I'm pretty sure I might have a little bit of a complex. I might think that y'all should listen to me when it comes to doing things right. It's like Howard Stern always talks about. It. He's like, you guys think you would listen to me. I've done a pretty good job here in building this radio empire. So it's not going to be any – it's funny. I feel like, Josh – we're fighting – we're trying to point out the things that aren't even the big issue here. 
The, the funny things in this, the funny thing is that Jimbo went scorched earth on Nick Saban. The funny thing is that Nick named names. That's the funny stuff. The reality is Jimbo can deny all he wants. Nick Saban didn't retract any of that. And that's the best part in all of this. Uh, and they have meetings next week in Destin, Josh. They have meetings like a week from yesterday in Destin with the coaches. Do you see what? Do you see what Greg Sankey uh, requested of Lane Kiffin this morning? <laughs> no. Um, Lane Kiffin was going to be on Dan Patrick today, but the SEC commissioner said no media, no comments to all the SEC coaches. Oh wow! And. Uh, I'm sure Lane Kiffin was ready to go on there and do a a, li- a little bit of trolling, but let let's he, dive he into that it. next. I've actually I've got some thoughts on that. All right, we'll do it next. It's the Plank Show. Hey, I'm on the road on a Friday. I, I probably buried the lead here because I was so excited to talk about this Kiffin Jimbo stuff. But we're at Cavens Construction on a Friday. CavensConstruction.com. Typically here on a Thursday, but pumped to hang on this Friday. Amanda and the crew here at Cavens on the Plank Show. Dude, what a wild swing of events for Oklahoma Sooner baseball. Right? I mean, you're sitting in a situation where many had left this squad for dead, right, at many points in the season. And now suddenly they're two wins away from winning the Big 12. (laughs) I mean, that's awesome. TCU is the leader in the clubhouse with a 16-8 and record, but they're out of conference to wrap up the season. Um, Oklahoma State lost. In fact, Oklahoma State's lost five straight games. Five, they were in complete control of things. Complete control. And then got swept at home by Texas Tech, and then went down to Waco and got beat last night by Baylor. Oklahoma torches Texas Tech. So, I mean, I I typically find people that when we talk baseball and, and build them up like I want to constantly will say things like, well, they got to be better than just making the tournament. Well, they, it'd be a pretty good step in the right direction. And, Boy, you get that one seed, and you can make some noise. Though it's the top to bottom of the Big 12 has been so weird this year, right? I mean, they could finish anywhere from first to fourth in this league right now. And with that fourth seed, I don't really want to play Texas in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. But then again, I don't feel comfortable playing either Kansas State or Baylor either. I mean, they're... Baylor just won 13-11. Uh, 13-11, was that the final score? Last night over Oklahoma State. Good win. Uh, 6.30 tonight, Josh, is that correct? Right he, uh, on our flagship, the Ref 1400, 99.3 FM in Norman. Sounds good to me. That's not the reassurance I needed, but I'll go with a yes. So what got you a, a little bit riled up on some of the – responses and maybe more specifically Greg Sankey booting Lane Kiffin from the Dan Patrick show this morning not that he or the SEC need 
any little extra marketing, but are you kidding me? I, I heard, I can't, you know, so many different people had the, the opinion yesterday. Oh man, they, they should both be punished. Nick right. Saban, if you can't prove if after the SEC comes in and you can't prove that they did buy for players to go to Texas A&M, then Nick Saban, you should be suspended for a couple of games. Are you kidding me? This was one of the best things that has happened in an offseason to the Southeastern Conference or college football in years. That A&M-Alabama game, the interest in that, it's, it's through the roof now. It it was going to be it was going to be a highly rated game to begin with, but now with this extra layer underneath it, I get that you don't really want a bunch of infighting among your coaches. But a little rivalry, a little dislike is not the worst thing for college football, and it's not the worst thing for the SEC. Sankey's probably taking the right road here, but Man, I don't think it's the worst idea either to just kind of let this thing play out and enjoy the marketing side of it. You know what I wonder? I wonder, Josh, how much of it centers around that it was Lane Kiffin. I wonder if it was any other coach, if it might be – yeah, go ahead. If it was – if it was Kiffin or Leach – I think you're like, oh, hold up here. If it was someone, if it was Kirby Smart, I don't think he would have come down and said, no, 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 you can't. If it was Mark Stoops. But I think part of it was you get wind of Lane Kiffin going on a show. You're like, this dude's liable to say anything. Let's shut it down. Let's get everyone in a room together next week and let's figure it out. That's what I – I think this is more about Lane Kiffin than it is about – or Mike Leach or whichever wild card would have ended up being – I could be wrong. I've been wrong about everything I thought Greg Sankey would think about this so far, Josh. I thought that kind of like – I think you and I are on the same team here. I thought he might – all right, let's welcome some of this. This is good. I like, I like a little spice between two of my guys. Let's go. But I guess when it got as personal as Jimbo Fisher made it, And then when it is an attack on the integrity of recruiting, though, again, as Nick Saban said, he's not saying anyone did anything wrong. I I guess Greg Sankey felt the need to go ahead and, and, and put everyone on lockdown just for a bit, just for a bit. And, you know, it would probably suck. I don't even know Vandy's coach off the top of my head. I know he was the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, but, could you imagine if you're like Vanderbilt's head football coach and all of a sudden uh, you get a – like Clark Lee and, and you get a call from, I don't know, who's, who's – uh, Dan Patrick's like, man, we'd love to have you on. You're like, oh, no one ever wants to talk Vanderbilt football, but I can't because our two biggest coaches are fighting right now or two of our bigger-name coaches are fighting. I have another angle on this too, Josh. You want to you wanna hit it here or take a break? No, yeah, lay it on me. I want to hear it. I'm really glad this happened so we can quit focusing on things that don't matter. And, you know, everyone, first of all, can I make this very clear? Because I saw some really dumb people on Twitter yesterday. The NCAA did not raise the number of people you can have on a roster. Okay? 
It's not suddenly going to be uh, Nebraska 1992. It's it's still the same roster limitations. It's not the wild, wild west, which, by the way, as Toby Rowland points out many times, the wild west still had lawmakers. It is an opportunity to sign more people. Now, this could mean that if you're on a roster and you haven't thought about entering the transfer portal, you may be told you have to enter the transfer portal because schools like Bama and Georgia might be able to find a few more guys. The intent of this rule is to help teams out like Kansas, who have just been decimated by horrible recruiting, own fault, and players leaving the program. So, number one, I think – I get it, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. I had – I saw people that are alleged college football insiders are like, this is going to change the game. Everyone's going to be like, ah, no. This is going to give op- teams an opportunity to sign more people, but it's the over-signing. But you still got to find a way to fit them all on your roster. And – I'm sorry, people aren't going to take walk-on deals and sitting there and hoping that they have an opportunity to get a scholarship. And then the second thing was the elimination of divisions, which I'm not going to lie to you, Josh. I didn't know outside of what the Big Ten has every single year. And when we think about the future of the SEC and what the Big 12 might look like, I didn't realize this was some major pressing issue. And in fact, when the Pac-12 comes out seconds after it's announced and says, we, well, we're still going to have divisions, but we will have the two best teams play in the Pac-12 championship game. I stopped and I wondered, when was the last time that the two best teams in the Pac-12 didn't play in the Pac-12 championship game? It's happened like three times. And it was separated by a game in conference play. I mean, you're not getting situations in the Pac-12 that are Ohio State playing Wisconsin for a Big Ten championship game when it should have been Ohio State and Michigan or it should have been a rematch between Ohio State and Penn State or Penn State Michigan for that matter. I, I mean, to me, that sounds good, right? And it's something that is, a, I think, a triggering point for college football fans because I don't know many people that like divisions – But was that really a pressing issue that needed to be resolved right away in college sports, specifically football? No, it wasn't. This is, this is right here, what Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher are fighting about. And that to me, I'm watching the reaction on Twitter because, and I was listening to, I was trying to listen to you on the drive back and just taking, consuming everything I could, Josh. And I'm just sitting here, I'm glad, and, and I listen, celebrate the divisions are gone, that's fine. But, again, the, the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is acting like they fixed something that had been the, the anchor on their conference. It hadn't been. Yeah, if they keep divisions, they've really fixed nothing. The, the idea, yeah, you want those two best teams to play and that part of it's sure. good and now they can guarantee that but to me it's it's so much bigger than that eliminating divisions to have the conference championship game it's about getting to play and see every school in your conference on a regular basis and not going years and years 
without hosting or traveling to sure one of your conference opponents. To be in a conference, you should play regularly I the people in your conference. I agree. But even to a certain extent, that hasn't been an issue in the Pac-12. It's been an issue in the SEC. And, I'm and just, the Big Ten. And the Big Ten. And it's funny to me because the Pac-12 is, I mean, it's like, fixed it. We're all good. Got this. And you're like, well, I don't think that was an issue that you guys were dealing with. Here's the issue that we're dealing with. Are coaches going to decide that tampering's BS and it needs to stop? Because they hold the key. Or are we going to get a handle on rogue in a, um, collectives? And collectives that decide, hey, listen, we don't care. And NCA come up after us. We don't care. We got billion dollars and we got lawyers. I mean, that's that's I don't know. I felt like it was like when baseball ended its strike, or lockout, excuse me, and everyone came back. It's like, okay, so what about some of the changes to the games? Like, oh yeah, we we, we haven't fixed any of that yet. We're just going to get back on the field. And you're like, oh, oh, so what the hell was the lockout about? You know, it's like, we're fighting. To try to, I guess, what, are you going to use parody? Are, are we going to use parody from Nick Saban, Josh? We're fighting to see what these rules are going to look like. And it's, and it's almost as if the NCAA, and I get it, there's baby steps to this. But of all the dumb things that were announced and people celebrated, the increase of the amount of scholarships you can offer while not expanding the overall roster limits, and then add to that, the fact that you've eliminated the need for divisions for a conference championship game and the conference that it really hasn't been an issue in is the first one that's like, we did it. We're on board. What are we doing? That's where my complaint came from. So plank show right here on the ref. I did a hell of a show during that break. Were you just ignoring me or were you getting coffee? Were you talking to me? <laughs> I was like trying to – I'm very – so we just got the air comfort solutions text of the of the generation of the millennium of whatever I guess era we're in of the decade of the show of the year, and it comes I don't even know this dude's name but from the four hundred five he writes Plank sounds like the government government one hundred one fixing something not that important so as to make it look like they did something with their time mission accomplished. Did they not? I mean, listen, again, I don't doubt that conferences have to do a better job with their schedules. And, I mean, listen, I'm a firm believer that every team should play nine conference games. Every conference should. And I think maybe the SEC uh, should look at ten. That's just me, though. Um, I'm a little different on that. I think eight conference games in, in conferences that have – in upwards of, of 12 to 14 to 16 teams is just ludicrous. But you're not changing that. You're you're putting it – what are you doing? You're putting it back on the conferences. You're – sorry, man, I'm trying not to yell and scream in here. I'm trying to stay calm. You're doing the same thing you've done for the last five years is you're basically looking to go, ah, we'll fix this. But really, it's kind of on the conferences and the schools to decide that. Same thing they did with the uh, extra year of eligibility. Yeah, you know what? Everyone gets an extra year. Meanwhile, coaches and ADs are like, what? <laughs> okay, well, roster management, here we go. Let's fight to keep people on campus that we want. Let's fight to keep these young people from not punting whenever they realize that the person they thought they were going to replace is still in school. 
NCA looks like a hero. But it's only to make Wisconsin and others look like the bad guys. Now, I'm not complaining because I get to watch Jocelyn Allen, and I get to watch Lindsey Elam, and Hope Troutwine and Taylor Snow, and who am I leaving out? Uh, Jana Johns. But it's still, it's kind of funny. It, it's kind of funny whenever you, you look at it and you realize, I mean, Oklahoma could have easily said, we hate what happened, but we've, we've got to move on. So the NC, that's a great, great tweet. They were text, excuse me, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. The house is on fire. It's burning out of control. And you are beautifully edging the front curb, and you want to get a high five and an attaboy for it. And for some reason, some college football analysts and insiders are there to do it for you. Good job. That's right, man. Finally, the Pac-12 can get that matchup in its championship game where we don't have to watch. Well, I mean, this year it was the two best teams go at it. Last year it was the two best teams go at it. Now, the year before, it was at two. Yeah, I, what are we doing here? <laughs> That's Well, and as far as I'm concerned, they didn't fix anything. No! To me, if you, if you get this set up to where you can eliminate divisions and still have a conference championship game. Great. Th- well, then set up your schedule to where you see more of the other teams from the opposite division. They're not getting rid of divisions, peeps. They're just going to have the two best teams play in their conference championship. Yeah, basically they stole the Big 12 model is all they did. <laughs> right, right. Uh, good tweet. Um, our text, excuse me. It, here's a cup. Kendall writes, for all we know, Jimbo may come out and tell the world we're saving, buried, as uh, Teddy put it, the bodies. I think he tried to. I think he tried to. Right? Isn't that what he tried to do? You guys think that Saban fears Jimbo going to do something public about his past? I mean, what more can he say? The funniest part of that, though, is Jimbo, you were on that staff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you guys don't know what Nick Saban was up to. He was, you don't know what's in his closet. He, you don't know all the things he's done. Well, weren't, the you, funny like, thing- weren't you right there? Here, I, I think this is this is the one that cracked me up. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. <laughs> You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And if they broke state laws. They're, 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 they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things, and these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. Um, that, that, leads, that leads right into this from the, uh, the 5-1-2. He's projecting what he's done on Saban and using kids and their family as a shield. Which I don't think Saban said anything negative about the 17-year-old kids or their families. He didn't. He didn't. I'm here to tell you, boys and ladies, sorry, I understand we have a diverse audience. This just getting started. Because 
again, I go back to this. Nick Saban apologized for naming names. He didn't apologize for accusing them of paying players. <sighs> you know, I should have never really singled anybody out. You know, that was a mistake, and I really apologize for that part of it. <laughs> but that's all he apologized for. <laughs> he still accused them of paying to get players, which is fantastic. All right, quick break. Plank Show's on the road at Cavens. We'll wrap up our number one next. Get you ready for our in-depth NCAA tournament preview for the sport of college softball. After Something that won't get much coverage today, but probably deserves it. Josh was following one of the wildest stories in college baseball last night where Kyle Huxdorf hit three home runs, including a grand slam, and had 10 RBI, what, in the by the fifth inning of the game? Yeah. It, it, he hit two three-run bombs in the fourth and then hit the grand slam in the fifth. Iowa last night in college baseball versus Indiana trailed by 11 runs. It was 13-2. to two. I mean, against Iowa's ace. Game's over, right? Iowa winds up winning this game, actually has come back and taken the lead in that fifth inning with that Huxdorf Grand Slam. They wound, they wound up winning that game. The combined runs, it was 30-16 to 16, Iowa last night, outscored uh-huh. the football matchup. Oh, my gosh. Did you see what his numbers ended up being last night? Here's Kyle Huxdorf last night. Six of seven with 15 runs batted in. Three home runs and four runs scored. I mean, that's just absurd. <laughs> uh, wow. Wild night. By the way, kudos to the OU baseball team. Gets a big win on the road. Uh, we'll hit more OU baseball coming up in the top five stories today in a little less than uh, 30 minutes from now. A little more than 30 minutes. Or, good Lord. In an hour from now, the top five stories today. In about 30 minutes, I want to hit more about just this chase towards the Big Ten champion, our Big 12 championship. So I put a poll up, and I asked, which side are you on? Team Saban, Team Jimbo. Early on, the results are very one-sided. But the first response is from a Georgia fan who says, Saban is just mad. Well, of course he is. I, I, I thought I thought we could take that to the bank from what we saw right away. For the 405. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Saban just verbalized what the rest of college football is thinking and saying behind closed doors. Kind of the same thing Stoops has done when he called out the media for making the SEC bigger than it really is. Go Saban, go Stoops. Yeah, and someone earlier had talked about Jimbo, and by the way, we knew you were talking about Jimbo, when he's projecting what he's done on Saban and using kids as their family as a shield. I mean, there's even that side that says, you know, it, it seems as if that reaction – was more about, like, I get mad whenever people make baseless claims against me. I really do. And I can't I can't change that. That's just, that's social media, that's Twitter, and um, everyone's an expert on everything. I've accepted that. Because I'm a lot like that in my, when I'm driving around listening or listening to other broadcasters. I get them. And now you're able to verbalize it and be the a-hole that you really want to be. It's fine. So I've learned to accept that. It's 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 what happens. But I I don't some people said, well, Jimbo Fisher getting that mad must mean there's some inkling of truth. No, no. 
I don't think so. I mean, I think you can get mad in defending yourself. It doesn't need to be someone hit a core that has some truth in it. I think there's tons of truth in it. I think Jimbo's just mad that they singled out Texas A&M. And then also in that, mad that he got dragged into it even deeper. And he feels like Nick Saban is just a guilt, as guilty as anyone. Um, Big Bad Wolf writes, would that not be the single best baseball stats ever recorded in a game? Sounds like it. I mean, it's yeah, it's got to be in the mix. That's just a ridiculous stat line. Six of seven last night. Four runs scored. 15 RBI. Wait, hold on, hold on. Is that right with RBI? Uh, no, hold on. I was wrong on RBI. I apologize. I apologize. His uh, runs batted in last night was not 15. It was 12. I apologize. His total bases were 15. Way off. I've never really seen stats to keep good. total bases. Yeah. I gave him three more. Still, though, six for seven, three home runs, 12 runs batted in, four runs scored. Not too shabby of a day. I think he had one home run before that game, which is the best part of all of it. Yeah, the three home runs gave him four on the season. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, great. you're literally, as a, as a coach, you're going into it, and the dude is hitting two, uh, 250 for the season. Essentially, that's where he is. And you're like, oh, that dude's not going to beat us. Some 5'8", Waterford High School product. Kyle Huxdorf last night for Iowa. Unbelievable. It's up there. Okay, uh, keep the votes coming in at Plank Show on Twitter. Which side are you on, Team Saban, Team Jimbo? We'll play through the whole uh, madness of the audio from yesterday coming up next. Plus, we preview every series in the college softball tournament next. 